Hey, it's Quinn Miners, and you're listening to The Blitz. Welcome back to another episode of The Blitz. This is episode number 20. So, you know, it's the Brian Dawkins episode. I got to link it to the Eagles. My name is Anthony DeBona. You can follow me on Twitter at Bayadebona. I'm joined by my brother and co-host, like every other episode, John DeBona. You can follow him on Twitter at Jorge Blanco. You can also follow the show on Twitter at The Blitz Podcast. As always, we really do appreciate it. If you can rate, subscribe, review, like, all that good stuff on whatever listening platform you use. And uh, we didn't have, obviously, any games this past week, but we do know the schedule now. So the NFL went ahead and released the 2021 regular season schedule. So this episode, we're going to spend a good chunk of the time talking about what games stick out to us, what games we think should have been on primetime. And then we're also going to go ahead and we predicted the entire regular season both me and John. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too, our final standings. I think John went all the way to the Super Bowl, so he'll give you his uh, Super Bowl favorite, and you can go ahead and place $10,000 on that right after listening to this. So uh, go ahead, John. Let's jump right into it. All right. Right off the bat, what concerned me the most outside of obviously the Giants schedule is when we're talking league-wide primetime games because those are the games that you know you're going to get to see no matter what. A lot of times the like early – uh, the early morning games, you are probably stuck watching your own team, especially if you're on the East Coast. The afternoon games sometimes are a little more up in the air. I feel like the Giants and Eagles don't play there as often. But the primetime games are the games that you know at the beginning of the year you're going to see. Now, I don't know when flex scheduling starts, but I know it's earlier than it used to be, which is good. Because um, they're going to need to flex a lot of teams, I think. There's some teams that have a lot of primetime games that I don't understand for the life of me why. And then there's some teams that have very few primetime games where I think they should have more. So right off the bat, the two teams with the most primetime games, and I should add, when I talk primetime, I'm also including the day and afternoon games for Thanksgiving because they're games that are airing unopposed and a lot of people watch that, like watch those more than even the regular season games. Um, but... San Fran and Dallas both have six, which to me seems excessive. Um, I get it to an extent. Obviously, they're two of the most historical franchises in the NFL, two of the most diehard fan bases. They draw attention almost no matter what. But I think Dallas is going to be just okay this year, not better than mediocre. And I think San Fran's going to be pretty good. But spoiler alert, I don't have either of those teams making the playoffs this year. So I think for those who need for those to be the two teams leading the league in primetime games to me is crazy. On the other end of the spectrum, there's quite a few teams that only have one primetime game. And some of those make sense. Houston only has their like obligated one, and that's fine because assuming Watson doesn't play this year, there's no reason to give them more than that. Um, Denver doesn't have more than one, and as much as I like our guy Quinn, It'll be good for him. He'll uh, get to get home early and watch his shows. <laughs> um, but then there's a couple teams that only have one primetime game that I really feel like should have more. Cincinnati, you literally have Joe Burrow coming back off an injury and Burrow throwing a chase. I, If I remember right, they signed at least one or two fairly big-name defensive free agents too. I think they're a team that can make make some noise this year. I don't. I'm not going to say that they're going to, you know, be uh, the next coming, the second coming of the Kansas City Chiefs or anything, but I have them having a pretty decent year. I actually have them going eight and nine, which isn't great, but considering what they came from, not bad. 
Um, I wish they were on primetime more. I think we need to get more exposure to Burrow. They Jackson signed Rose- – uh, just one, one more thing on the Bengals. They yeah. signed Trey Hendrickson. That was their, like, that's, big okay, uh, that, I, I was thinking. I was say that's the white guy from New Orleans, right? The defense yep. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's who I thought they signed, but I didn't want to say for sure. Um, then Jacksonville, too. Again, I know they stink. They're historically bad. But they have Trevor Lawrence. They may be adding a Tim Tebow. That's a team that I think is just going to be fun to watch, especially with Lawrence being the next prodigy, the next Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, the next heir apparent to the league. I think not having him in at least two or three primetime games is a little short-sighted. And then Atlanta also. Again, their defense is horrendous. But what do people really like to watch in primetime? High-scoring games. And granted, some of this, again, might hinge on if they trade Julio. Because if they do, then I don't think they're going to be as high scoring, obviously. But assuming for now that they keep Julio, that team is going to be so much fun and put up so many points. And they're going to allow so many points. I think you need to have them on in primetime more. Um, just some of the other teams, like I said, that didn't, that only got one, I understand. The Jets, who I think are going to be interesting, but I don't think there's a lot of like star power there. And I don't think their games are going to be very. High scoring, so I understand only giving them one. I already talked about Houston and uh, Denver. Then Carolina, too, who I think is like kind of interesting, but again, I think one primetime game is fair. I don't think they really need much more than that. We all know um, um, Sam Darnold on primetime gets mic'd up, and he tells the whole world that he sees ghosts, so it might be better off that uh, they don't have any primetime games. Or just um, Then going going back to who who needs more primetime games for me, both the Miami Dolphins and Arizona Cardinals only have two. And for Miami, I understand that a little bit more because if two is their quarterback and he seemed shaky last year, maybe you don't really know how good that team is going to be or not. But I think the rest of that team is awesome. Um, for Arizona, though, spoilers for later, I have Arizona making a deep playoff run this year. I think their offense was already pretty electric, and now they added a legit running – potentially legit running back, depending on how he returns to, if he returns to form and Connor. Um, and that defense, I think is going to be one of the most fun in the league to watch because of how versatile they are and having guys like Collins and Simmons on the field at the same time, they're going to wreak havoc on teams. And then JJ Watt and Chandler Jones, and we just talked about what an insane team that could be. And I'm surprised they only get two primetime games. Um, jumping back for one more second to the teams with the most games. Um, I think the teams that are second up all kind of make sense. They all have five games. It's Kansas City, which, okay, one of the best teams in the league. Baltimore, the Rams, Tampa Bay, all those are feel like are no-brainers. But then there are some weird ones here. There's Pittsburgh has five. Again, nationally recognized. I understand that historical franchise, sure. I just don't think they're going to be that great this year. Um, Green Bay, which is – Really confusing because if Rodgers comes back, obviously that makes a ton of sense. If he doesn't, Jordan Love is set up for the biggest exposure of any new quarterback ever. Jordan Love could potentially have five primetime games, depending on how the season falls. That would be nuts. Um, and then New Orleans, who, again, is always exciting. They have, you know, the question mark at quarterback, but they had that last year and Still got a lot of uh, ratings when they did play. Um, Buffalo is a little surprising. They only have 
they're tied for third. They only have four. But there's quite a few teams that have more than them. Um, and that's really about it as far as, like, who has primetime games and who should have primetime games. So I don't know now if you want to start talking about more specific primetime games or some of the best games that aren't in primetime. Uh, I don't know. It's up to you. Do you want to go week by week or? All right, sure. Because I feel like week so, by week, obviously week one, that Dallas-Tampa Bay game sticks out. Um, yeah, I would say week one, the primetime games are very lackluster to me. Yeah. Um, Dallas at Tampa, ugh. Um, <laughs> and I don't just say that because I'm a Giants fan. I know Dallas, if they're healthy, their offense should still be pretty good. But I don't see that being that close of a game. And I granted it's a showcase for Tampa, but I don't know. It's just a weird pick for me for the opener. I feel like Tampa should either get a team that feels more like a rival or a team that has more new and excite, like more new and exciting parts to it. Where I feel like Dallas is just kind of Dallas. It's whatever. Um, Sunday night football that week also seems to suck. It's Chicago at the Rams. And the Rams, awesome. Glad to see the Rams getting a primetime spot. Chicago, though, it'll hinge on if Field starts from day one. I don't think he's going to, though. I think they're going to run Dalton out there early in the year. And I don't think anybody wants to watch that. Um if they turn it on me and they have field starts from day one, then that's a pretty cool matchup. And, we'll um, and then Monday night, what surprised me too is this year, it looks like we're only getting one Monday night game for the opener, not the traditional doubleheader that we've gotten the last few years. Yeah. That, that kind of bothers me because we usually get our like early, what is it, a seven o'clock game? And then we get that like 10 o'clock West Coast game or whatever it is, or six and nine. Well, I think. I think what they did this year is instead of having the doubleheader in like week one, I yeah. think they're doing it the last week of the season. It's going to be like a doubleheader for prime time. And it's going to be like, they're going to flex like two pretty much playoff matchups. All right. Well, like, if, if that's what they're doing and they can flex it, then that's, I'm, that's I'm pretty, pretty awesome. sure. I'm pretty sure that's what um, they're doing. And that makes sense. I just don't see why they couldn't do it both times, but it's neither here or there, I guess. Um, but then again, Monday night is a game that like, I don't know if I care about, and it's Baltimore against the Raiders. Um, I've been more positive about the direction the Raiders have headed than a lot of people, although my standing won't reflect it. We talk about that later. But Baltimore is an exciting team. But again, the Raiders and Baltimore, there's no rivalry there. There's no, there's nothing, there's no juice to that, I feel like. And that's the thing. I feel like all these big primetime games really don't have juice. Um, a game that I wish was in primetime for week one is Chiefs and Browns. I feel like they could have squeezed that. If they were going to have that be week one, that could have been one of the primetime games because you literally have the NFL MVP and you have the Cleveland Browns, who I feel like, as much as I personally despise Baker Mayfield, everybody roots for the Browns. So that would have been a really fun matchup to put in primetime week one. All right, just Um, real quick. um, I looked up exactly what they're going to do. So it's going to be week 18. They're going to flex three games total. So there's going to be a doubleheader Saturday night. And then there's going to be the Sunday night game is going to be flexed also. Okay, that's very cool then. I like that a lot, yeah. actually. So they're doing I that still, instead of the week one doubleheader. Yeah, I, was, I still don't understand. I mean, I guess it's con- like contractual reasons or whatever. I still don't understand why they couldn't just also have the week one doubleheader. I wonder if going forward they'll have that, but maybe because they agreed to the extension so late that like the networks only had deals in place for a certain amount of primetime games or something. Um. But that's that's a better usage of it if you're going to be limited to a certain amount of primetime games. 
Um, I, I feel like we're going to be here forever if we go week by week for all the rest of the primetime games. They can just go so, whatever stands out. Yeah, I was say week two, um, Giants-Washington Thursday night, rivalry game, but if I wasn't a Giants fan, I wouldn't care. But the Thursday night – but I also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, every team gets a Thursday night game, right? Yeah, I believe so. So I'm not really going to critique the Thursday night schedule as much because every team's got to play somebody, so it is what it is there. Um, just looking up and down the list, some of the games that stand out to me as far as the primetime games are the week three Thursday night game is rough. Carolina and Houston. That sounds terrible. Um, oh, okay. I was wrong. I talked about this before the podcast, but the week four Thursday night game is actually something I really want to see. Yeah. And that's number one pick Trevor Lawrence against number one pick Joe Burrow. As the Jaguars face the Bengals, and just two years ago, that would have never been a game we to see in prime time. But you hope those guys stay healthy, and uh, two of the hottest young quarterbacks in the league getting to face off in prime time is a really fun matchup early in the season, too. Yeah, I think that um, week four. And then uh, you see what the Sunday oh, night matchup Sunday week four is? is? Yes. Yeah. That, that might be the best one-two punch of uh, a yeah. prime time. Because, yeah, that Sunday night. The Sunday, I don't, the only thing with the Sunday night matchup, and obviously I assume people aren't going to have the schedule in front of them when they listen to this, it's Tampa Bay at New England. But I wish that was pushed back a little bit further into the season. I yeah. I really want it to be Mac Jones against Brady. <laughs> and maybe Belichick pulls the trigger and maybe Mac Jones is in there by week four. I know the last couple of years even seem to have been sort of hesitant to start rookies for game one like Cleveland with uh, Cleveland with Baker and the Giants with Daniel Jones. And I don't remember when uh, Herbert came in for the Chargers. He came in like week yeah. two, I think. Okay, so there you go. So I feel like usually teams with rookie quarterbacks have them under center by week four. But I just don't know. I think if Cam's even playing decent football, they'll ride that hand. And sure, you can still sell the game because it's former MVP versus the GOAT. But – Man, I want to see Mac Jones and Tom Brady. And then the very next week, week five, you got Sunday night, the Bills at the Chiefs. That is a good one also. So that's a rematch of the uh, AFC title game last year. So Yeah. I'm looking at a list here of the best. Like they've ranked – NFL.com had ranked the uh, primetime games. They ranked all the primetime games? No, they did their top nine. Okay. Uh, now this is across all three days, right? Thursday, yeah, Sunday, think, yeah, yeah, because they had uh, no, I say, you know, can I, can, I guess some, can, I say, can I guess some of the other ones they have on their list? All right, you could you want to go from nine to one or because one I'll uh, tell you right now, one is no, I'll say, no, no particular order, but okay, you can tell sorry. me where the ones ranked that we already talked about. All right, so the Jaguars Bengals was number five for them, okay, the Chiefs Ravens was number four, okay. Uh, we spoke about number three already, which is the Cowboys-Bucks opening night. Okay. Number two is the Bills at the Chiefs. And number one is the Bucks at the Patriots. So you have to guess six to nine. We haven't talked All about right. yet. All right. So I'm going to say Cleveland and Baltimore is one of them. Uh, Cleveland at Baltimore, yes, is six. Yeah. Okay. Week 12. Sunday All night. right. I'm going to say another divisional game, 
and say Rams at Cardinals. Ooh, close, but that's not it. It's from that division, really? one of them. Uh, okay. All right, let me look up and down. Um, is we said Tampa and New England already, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Kansas City and Baltimore? No. It's uh, the Rams at Seahawks is number seven for them. That's, I don't like that one. Um, yeah, I, I don't like don't, any of these last two. I, say, I just don't think Seattle has – like, I know they have Russell Wilson, but I just think the team is not great. And so I don't know if like that's a game that I get excited for, really. So I'll just give you the last two. So number eight is week 11 Sunday night. You have the Steelers at the Chargers. Yeah, see, anything involving the Steelers, I don't really want to see. And sure. then number nine is the Packers at the Cardinals Thursday night, week eight. That's that's another one that hinges on do they have Rodgers. I personally yeah, think exactly. he's sitting out. Like, that's what made it hard even with doing the standings because I, I waffled where I feel like I started thinking the games early in the season as if Rodgers wasn't going to be there. But then when I saw how bad their record was starting to look, I was like, you know what? Maybe Rodgers does stay, and I don't want to be so far off base, so I started giving them more wins. Yeah. So I feel like my record's going to sound a bit odd when I say it because it really is almost like a little bit of hedging my bets where it's like maybe if Rodgers is there but isn't all the way there. Yeah. Um, I did it assuming that Rodgers is there because I, I, I'm going to assume that when the season gets closer, obviously, maybe like a week away from the season, we'll probably do predictions again because it'll be it. We'll probably yeah. know if Deshaun no, Watson's going to play. We'll know if well, say, there also be there will also be injuries. There'll be veteran yeah, yeah. cuts. There so, might be there might be the trades. Like if Julio gets traded or Rogers gets traded. When I so, made my predictions, it was based off Rogers um, being there right now. Watson not being traded or whatever. Okay. See, I was I was kind of making my predictions based on sort of what I think the lay of the land is going to look like come week one. Yeah. And not what rosters actually are today. Yeah, sure. Um, so we'll we'll see how it plays out, obviously. But uh, yeah, but so I that do means, feel like basically covers the primetime stuff. Yeah, I feel like for trying to predict the standings because I, I guess we're going to jump into that now is like kind of trying to predict the NBA season, the, the NBA standings before this season because yeah. it seemed like the Rockets were going to trade Russell Westbrook and James Harden. It was just a matter of like where they were going to trade them yeah. to. So yeah. it was like you were making your predictions based on that. So it was just like I don't know. It's um, tough. Just real quick, going back to the schedule with the primetime games, I did write down what, in my opinion, is the most interesting game each week not in primetime. And just to run down that list real quick, week one, I already said Cleveland at Kansas City. Week two, the Rams at the Colts. Week three, Tampa Bay at the Rams. Week four, I have the Rams on here a lot. Um, Week four, the Cardinals at the Rams. Week five, Miami at Tampa Bay. Week six, Arizona at Cleveland. Week 7, Kansas City at Tennessee. Week 8, Miami at Buffalo. Week 9, Arizona at San Francisco. Week 10, Tampa Bay at Washington. Week 11, Indy at Buffalo. Thanksgiving week in the game that they should have given us on PB and didn't. You get Tampa Bay at Indianapolis. You get Brady going against Wentz one more time, maybe. Um, although I realize he didn't even play Wentz in the Super Bowl, actually. <laughs> then... Uh, Week 13, it's Baltimore at Pittsburgh. 14, Buffalo at Tampa Bay. 15, Seattle at the Rams. 16, this is one that I feel like a lot of people would be like, huh? But I could really want to see it, and, it's the, and I will because we're local. Um, Jaguars at the Jets. I wish I got a primetime spot. Wilson well, against Wilson. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, Lawrence Wilson. It's like two person. It's like a whole name. Um, week 17, Rams at Ravens. And I feel like that's got some fun juice to it, too, with uh, the whole Peters thing and stuff. And then uh, Pittsburgh at Baltimore to close the season, which I think could very well end up getting flexed to primetime. Could be a game for the division. All right. So I think we should jump into our predictions now. I have mine written down, like, division by division with standings. So how do you – do you, do you want to do, do okay? Do you want to do you read a division? Then I'll read the same division. What I have. Okay. All right. So I got the AFC North first. All right. So do you want me to give the the final C that oh. they were also or? Yeah, I would say also before just before we do this, we should tell everybody, um, because it's just gonna sound like we're randomly picking these. There is a there are websites where you can literally go week by week and pick the results of every single game, and it'll automatically calculate the standings with tiebreakers and stuff. So. That's we both use the same site. Um, I don't remember the name of the site offhand. I think it was playoffpredictors.com. Playoff yeah, yeah, okay, there you go. I was like, because if you just Google NFL schedule predictor, it'll give you a couple of different options that you could use and use whichever one works best for you. But that's what we did to try to get our final standings. So I'm gonna give you the the final standing of the team in the conference okay. standing, not the division standing. Then it's gonna be the team their record, and then their division record, because that's how it's showing on the website. So that's what I'm going to give you. Okay. So in, I'm going to start with AFC North. So I have the Browns at 12-5, and 5-1 five, five and one in the division. I have, so them the, with the same, I have them with the same record. Okay. Okay. So they're the third seed in the AFC in my rankings, in my uh, standings. Okay. Then Baltimore at the same record, 12-5, and five, but they went 3-3 three and three in the division. Uh, so that's they, it's funny. Uh, we have them – I literally my three my three seed is Baltimore also or my division starts the same way. It's Baltimore and Cleveland both at twelve and five. And we didn't talk about this ahead of time. But, <laughs> okay. But my then, order is flipped. My order is flipped. And my tiebreaker, Baltimore has the division and Cleveland comes in next. Okay. So I'm just gonna go and then I have Pittsburgh. This is where we're gonna differ. I have them okay. at eleven and eleven and six. Ooh, I do not have that. Four and two record in the division and sixth in the conference. Okay. And then I have Cincinnati at four and thirteen, zero and six in the division, and fourteenth in the conference. Ooh, that's rough. All right, just again to recap, me uh, my AFC North. I have Baltimore with the three seed at twelve and five, Cleveland with the six seed at twelve and five, Cincy going a surprising eight and nine, which I will probably knock down a few games by the start of the season, and then Pittsburgh at seven and ten which I may bump up a game or two, but I just don't trust Roethlisberger to stay healthy and don't know about everything else on that team. Real quick, it's still going to take me probably the entire year to get used to this, this like, 17-game season because these I know, records – It looks so weird seeing the numbers on paper. They're not having the possibility of a team going 8-8 eight and eight or whatever, it's just like – Oh, so you, you still can. I think the Eagles would be the team to do it. Yes, 8-1. <laughs> But uh, all right, so I'll move also, on. Also, just oh, I'll say also just so you know, because I don't know if you knew, I only found this out just now. I like, used the site a few times in the past. Um, if you click the little equal sign during the games, you can get you can uh, predict the time. Oh God, yeah, I'm not. I, I didn't do that in my standings. Don't worry, <laughs> I made my standings nice and clean. So uh, moving on, we'll keep it in the AFC. We'll go AFC South. I have the Carson Wentz Colts with a record of eleven and six, going six and zero in the division. And then I give them the fourth seed in the AFC. Then I have uh, our boy Eddie's Titans going seven and ten, 
four and two in the division. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that gives them the eighth seed in the AFC. They just missed the playoffs. Then uh, it goes real south from here. I got the Jaguars at two and 15, one and five in the division, 15th seed in the AFC. And then the Texans, I assumed that, I know we said it before that we weren't doing this, but I'm assuming that Watson's either going to sit out or he's going to get traded. So I have them at one and 16, one and five in the division, and the, the worst team in the AFC, 16th. Okay. Uh, my standings are pretty close to yours. I have, I think, the same order, just different records. I have India 10 and 7 getting the four seed. I have Tennessee 8 and 9 just and missing the playoffs. I have the Jaguars at 5 and 12. Hopefully, that Lawrence Magic gives them a couple extra wins. Then I have Houston at 3 and 14, just because I want to see. Uh, I'm already forgetting his name, but I want to see their head coach succeed. Anybody who's been around football that long, I want to see them do good. And I feel like a lot of times when teams have that much roster turnover, there's like some positive to it. But I think three wins are still very, very few. But I think they'll have some moral victories too. And three or fourteen is going to be respectable for how bad this team looks on paper. David Culley is the coach, by the way. There you go. All right, so then we'll go to the AFC East. I have our boy John Collins, Buffalo Bills, going fourteen and three, six and zero in the division. That gives them the second seed in the AFC. Then I have our boy Bugs. Shout out to him because that's right now. It's his birthday. So happy birthday, Bugs. Happy birthday, Bugs. So I have the Jets going 7 and 10, 3 and 3 in the division, ninth seed in the AFC. I have Miami going 7 and 10, 2 and 4 in the division, 10th seed in the AFC. And then I have the New England Patriots going 7 and 10, 1 and 5 in the division, 11th seed in the AFC. All right. Um, I only wrote the seeds down for my playoff teams. But I have Baltimore winning the division at 15 and 2. I have Miami up next, getting the fifth seed at 13 and 4. You said Baltimore. I'm assuming you mean Buffalo, right? Uh, sorry. Yeah, I mean Buffalo. <laughs> um, sorry. Buffalo at 15 and 2 uh, with the number one seed in the AFC. I have Miami at 13 and 4 with the five seed. Then yeah. I have New England, New England missing the playoffs at 7 and 10, which is that what you had them at, too? I have New England. I have literally Buffalo 14 and 3, and then every other team in the division 7 and 10. Okay. So it's funny that we, we both have New England at 7 and 10, then. Um, and then I have the Jets pulling up the rear at four and thirteen. I think they're going to kind of be like this year's Giants, where uh, they're like I don't think they're going to be a bad team, and I think Robert Sala is going to do good things with them. I just don't think they have the talent on defense to stop teams, and I think their offense is going to take a little bit of time to start clicking. And I don't know if I'm a hundred percent sold on Zach Wilson outside of Detroit. So four and thirteen for the Jets. Sorry to say it, bugs. Damn, you just ruined the guy's whole birthday. But okay. So we'll uh, move on to the AFC West, the final division in the AFC for us to do this. I have no surprise. The Chiefs, as the first seed in the AFC, I had them going 14 and 3, 4 and 2 in the division. Then I have the Los Angeles Chargers going 9 and 8, 3 and 3 in the division, and getting that final playoff seed. They'll be seventh in the AFC. Then your Las Vegas Raiders. Going five and twelve, two and four in a division that gives them the twelfth seed in the AFC, and then finally Denver had them going four and thirteen, and three and three in the division, giving them thirteenth in the AFC. All right, I'm pretty close there with you. I have Kansas City with the two seed at thirteen and four. The four losses are really only because I think, even though they have an amazingly talented line, I think the offensive line might take a couple games to get really clicking. And I do question that defense a little bit. So I think 13-4 is fair. 
I also have the Chargers getting the seventh seed at eleven and six. Then I have the Raiders. Even though I love the Raiders, I just <laughs> I think their schedule is a murderer's row, especially sharing a division with Kansas City and the Chargers. I have the Raiders at only six and eleven, actually taking a, a step down from last year. And then I have Denver pulling up the rear at five and twelve. Again, sorry Quinn, but at least you can get a long vacation. <laughs> So real quick, I um actually found a graphic by uh, Mike Clay from ESPN. Okay. And he did uh, – you see a lot of people talking about, like, strength of schedule based on, like, the record from teams last season. Yeah. And I think the, on that, the Eagles have, like, the easiest record or the Bucks have the easiest record, something like that. But he actually did something where he kind of projected how teams are going to do based on their current rosters. Okay. So he still has the Bucks having the easiest record. But then after that, it's Atlanta, Buffalo – the Jets, Miami, New England, Tennessee, Philly, Denver, Houston. That's the top 10. Okay. And Dallas and New York, the Giants are right outside that. But then mm-hmm. in terms of the hardest schedules, he has Chicago is the, the hardest, then Pittsburgh, Detroit, Rams, Cincinnati, Chargers, Vegas, and Chiefs. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting just to look at it that way. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know exactly what he used in terms of how he got those numbers. Yeah, but it just says uh, 2021 NFL strength of schedule based on current rosters. So I just thought it'd be that interesting is, to throw. Yeah, that is there. pretty. That is pretty interesting. All um, right, so we'll shift over to the NFC now. We'll start with the North. You want to save the East for last because obviously that's uh, yeah, sure. Our um, teams. Do you want me to go? Maybe I'll go first for the NFC. Yeah, go ahead. All right, opening up in the NFC, we're going with the NFC North. I have making the playoffs, much to my chagrin, the Chicago Bears. Oh my God! Okay, but at only eight and nine, <laughs> what? Okay, um, they're kind of this year's uh, NFC. That's they're winning the division at eight and nine. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I told you this is. I told you my my next team in the division obviously missed the playoffs. Um, but my Green Bay Packers record is so weird because, like I said, I started yeah. giving them a lot of losses when I thought Rodgers wouldn't be there, but then I was like, maybe he will be, so I started giving them more wins. <laughs> so I think they're either going to be worse or better than this, but I have them right now at 7-10 and 10. Um, and in the second spot in that division. Then I have, again, much to my chagrin, because I feel like I like the team. I'm a huge Thielen fan. I think Jefferson's special, and Cook is really good. But I have Minnesota somehow still at only 5-12. and 12. Um, And then I have Detroit dead last, even though I love Dan Campbell and the kneecap fighters, <laughs> but God, that offense has nothing besides Goff. That defense is got not a whole lot else either. And I got Detroit at only one in sixteen. I think they could definitely get a couple more wins than that, but for the sake of this, I'm just doing one in sixteen for Detroit. All right, so I've got. I'm assuming. Oh, that I'm Rogers... sorry. Also, D- Detroit is my worst team in football based on okay. this prediction. Okay, I have – I'm just going to say it now. I have Detroit 1-16 also, 0-6 in the division. So, okay. they're, they're 16th in the NFC. They're uh, on the Houston Texans level. Those are going to be my 1-2 picks in the 2022 mock draft. But, uh, so, yeah, they're last. But up first, I have – I'm assuming that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to work things out. So, I have them 13-4, second seed in the NFC, going 5-1 and one in the division. Chicago and Minnesota both at 6-11. And they're thirteenth uh, and fourteenth seeds in the conference. So, I would very much like that. So let's get that happening. <laughs> All right. So you you gonna go with the South next? Yep. In the South, ready for this one? This is a shocker. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the division. Going um, seventeen and zero. 
Although they actually didn't win. I feel like people forget they actually didn't win the division this year. No. Um, but I have them winning the division this year and going 15-2 and two, um, and getting the number one seed in the NFC. I have them going 15-2 and two and having the number one seed in the NFC as well. So I'm just going to say that now. <laughs> All right. Then in second place, I have the New Orleans Saints getting the seventh seed in the NFC, going a mere 9-8. and eight. So still a winning record for New Orleans, but a step down from last year. Um, then I have Carolina followed by Atlanta, both at 4-13. and 13. I said I think Atlanta is going to be so much fun to watch on offense, but I also think there's a chance they could trade Julio, and if they do, they take a step back. Um, I think even though they have Gurley, I feel like they don't really know how to use running backs, and I don't know if Gurley is what he ever – they don't have really what he was. Oh, they don't Gurley's, have Gurley. still on the street. Yep. Well, they'll probably have him before the season because I don't know who else is going to play running back for them. They team. have uh, Atlanta has Mike Davis, the guy that was going off when McCaffrey got hurt last year. Yeah. So Atlanta doesn't have a running back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like said. And their defense is literally nobody. It's I think it's me, you, and a couple guys from the group. And so they're not going to win any game based on their defense. Um, yeah. but like I said, they might outscore a couple teams, so four and thirteen for them. Same thing with Carolina. I don't really i I like their drafts a lot. I just don't think their roster, as it was before, was all that special, and I still don't see why people love Darnold. So that's why I have them only going four and thirteen. Also, so I've got, like I said, the fifteen and two, but then I'm higher on Carolina than you are. I have them going eight and nine, but missing the playoffs. I have New Orleans going eight and nine as well, missing the playoffs, and then I also have Atlanta at four and thirteen. So, okay. Then uh, we could do instead of going at East next, we'll do West, and then we'll close it out with East. All right, NFC West. The Arizona Cardinals are my division winners at fifteen and two, also, Sheesh. and taking the two seed. Um, again, when we get closer to the season, I know my records will change a little bit. Um, I'll probably knock them down a few wins, but I think this team, like we talked about it before, is loaded on defense. I think they have a ton of talent on offense. They, like the Giants, need their offensive line to take a big step forward, but unlike the Giants, Murray looked really, really good last year. So I have them going 15-2 and two and getting the number two seed in the NFC. Um, then I have the LA Rams at Another very, very good record. The, In fact, the third best record in the NFC, but they just happen to be in division with the Cardinals. I have the Rams at 14-3 and three getting the five seed. Then, again, this is the only division in football I have with all winning records. I have Seattle and San Fran both at 9-8 and eight in that order. So we're kind of on the same page because I have every team having a winning record also. Yeah, that division, have... that division is the murderer's row of football, at least on paper. And the crazy thing about that division is I think they play the NFC North and the NFC I mean the AFC South. So I feel like those might be two one of the worst divisions. Yeah, I think one of the yeah. worst divisions in football. So they get to play games right there. So I don't know, it's yeah. interesting. But um like their toughest games are probably division games besides that whatever. Oh, yeah, but, sure. Those division those division games are rough to take. Um yeah. so I've got Seattle as the first place team in the West. They'll be the fourth seed in the AFC in the NFC. I got them going 13 and 4, 5 and 1 in the division. I'm surprised. Then I have, then I have the Rams 12 and 5, 
getting the fifth seed in the NFC, three and three in the division. Then I have Arizona going eleven and six, three and three in the division, getting the sixth playoff spot. And then I have San Francisco going nine and eight, one and five in the division, eighth seed in the NFC. So they just missed the playoffs. All right, not too shabby. Now for the main event of the evening. So I'm just gonna go ahead and say you have the Giants going seventeen and zero. Uh, <laughs> you're very close. I have the Giants. I have the Giants winning the division. Okay. Um, but I have them winning the division, getting the three seed in the NFC, going eleven and six. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, I feel like my old go-to was ten and six every year for the Giants when they looked remotely promising. I think last year was like one of the first years that I actually had them with uh, under 10 wins. So 11-6 and six is my pick for this year. I like what they did. Obviously, they need Jones and the line to step forward, but I think they're pretty good everywhere else. Um, then I have Washington also making the playoffs, mm. which I think comes as a little bit of a surprise. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think for the first time in his career, right, would actually make the playoffs. Um, much, unless- probably. That sounds about right. Unless uh, Heinke or Heinke or whatever you, whatever you say his name. Heineke? Um, yeah, unless he actually de- dethrones him and takes that starting job on the strength of uh, Chase Young beating people up if he doesn't. Um, I have them getting the sixth seed in the playoffs in the NFC, so not even the last playoff seed. Getting the sixth seed in the wild card at 10-7. and seven. Then I have Dallas at 7-10. and 10 which, again, is one of those records that I feel like could go either way, and they could definitely be better. Um, this division is always so hard to predict. And then, last but not least, I have Philly at – do you want to get Just give me the bad news. I know it's going to be terrible. Give me the bad news. I don't think it's actually going to be as bad as you think, but it is bad. Um, I actually have Philly at 5-12. and 12. Oh, God. Okay. I think they could win a couple more. They can maybe get these, like, 7 <laughs> But I think ultimately they just don't have the talent. So five and twelve they are taking up last in the division. I'll take it. Like it's like what? Like a top five pick, maybe? Uh in this you would be in this one it would be Detroit picking, then Houston, then I'm looking to see how many four win teams. Then the Jets, Carolina, and Atlanta. And then it would be between it'd be between you and Denver for the sixth pick. Well, between okay. you, Denver, and Minnesota for the sixth pick. Okay, I'll take it. Top 10 locked in. I'll take it. All right. So, I have the Cowboys as the first place team. I had them going 13-4, and 5-1 and one in the division, third seed in the NFC. Then I have your Giants, although I've been trolling you all offseason and what, whatnot. I have them going 10-7, and 3-3 three and three in the division, getting that, that final playoff spot. Hey. Then, I have, then I have Washington going 9-8. and eight. And getting the ninth seed, so they just missed the playoffs. And then my Eagles, I have them going last, but a little bit more respectable than you do. You said it. I have them going seven and ten, two and four in the division. So yeah, I don't think that, I don't think that's crazy because again, as much as I troll you, I know they have veteran talent there. I like Hurts more than a lot of people, especially more than Eagles fans. It sounds like, <laughs> um, but selfishly, I'm never going to forgive what they did that last game in the season and wish them misery forever because of it. <laughs> um, now. I know you said you didn't write yours down. I do have my pl- complete playoff bracket. If you want me to read that while you calculate yours, uh, 
You can just go your. I don't even know if I can do mine, but just go all ahead. Right. You could read yours real quick. So just uh, I'll do mine pretty quick because again, this is all subject to change. Um, in the wild card round, I have the Rams beating the Bears. I have the Giants beating the Redskins, or sorry, the Washington Football Team, <laughs> which wasn't even intentional. Um, I have the Cardinals beating the Saints. Then in the AFC side, I have Cleveland beating Baltimore, the Chiefs beating the Chargers, and the Colts beating the Dolphins. Then in the divisional round, I have the Bills, the number one seed, toppling Cleveland, and the Chiefs sending the Colts home. So we get an AFC title rematch from last year. Unfortunately for me, this is where the magic stops. This is where my height goes to die. And I actually have the Giants losing to the Arizona Cardinals here. Big Cardinals um, guy this year. Yeah, I I just like – like I said, I like their defense. And we'll see. I'll talk about it more when I get to my Super Bowl prediction. There's two teams in the league that remind me of the old-school Giants Super Bowl winners. And so those are two teams that I have going to the Super Bowl. And Arizona is one of them. I think they have the pieces to get pressure and to cover on defense. And they have an electric offense. So I have them making a good run. And I have them beating the Giants. And the other one is a little bit less of a shock. I have the Buccaneers beating the Rams. Again, it's Tom Brady. I don't. It's hard to pick against Tom Brady in the playoffs, especially against Matthew Stafford, who uh, would come in with his first ever playoff. Oh, no, he wouldn't even come in with his playoff win because he has the number one seed, I think. I think I missed what you game. just said. You're going to have the Cardinals. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, the yeah. Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. No, I, I just flipped the order. Um, Tom Brady, yeah. Okay, so Matthew Stafford would get his first playoff win ever when he beat Chicago in the first round, but then he loses to Tom Brady in the second. Um, conference title games, I have things flipping from last year, and I have Buffalo beating Kansas City. Um, I talked about how Kansas City is trying to make Patrick Mahomes untouchable. But I think all Buffalo did, I talked about how much I like their draft. I think they just geared up to, you know what, we're going to make Mahomes miserable even with a good line. And they're just going to send those four crazy good potentially, uh, well, potentially good young pass rushers and just get in Mahomes' face and take them out. On the other side, I have another big upset. Again, I talked about the old school Giants team. And the Cardinals remind me of that. And so I have them pulling the old school Giants and taking Brady out of the playoff. I have the Buffalo Bills and Arizona Cardinals in my Super Bowl. And I have, as much as it hates me, as much as it pains me to do it, because our guy John Collin has been pretty obnoxious about the Giants. He's <laughs> a Giants fan. He, cl- he claims that he likes the Bills most, which he does. Then he claims the Giants are his number two team. Everything he says does not act like it. He's like the most disgruntled Giants supposed fan that I've ever seen. The guy had Jamar uh, Chase as like his sixth receiver. So that anything that guy talks his, about football is just his judgment is questionable on all levels. Yeah, yeah. But he's a good guy, so I won't, I won't give him too much flack. <laughs> and he will be extremely excited to know that I have the Buffalo Bills defeating the Arizona Cardinals because I think their offense is just even more powerful, and their defense is. Maybe not scarier. I think Arizona's probably got a little bit better of a defense than Buffalo. But the offense makes the difference. And I actually have the Buffalo Bills winning their first ever Super Bowl and bringing the Super Bowl to New York proper. Um, I just want to get this on record now. If the Bills, if you correctly predict the Super Bowl and it's Bills, Cardinals, and the Bills win, can we get it on, well, not on writing, but 
on audio that you'll jump through a table? I will 1,000% jump through a table. Okay. The Bills, and it's specifically if it's that matchup. If it's That's the Bills say, it has to be that Cardinals. matchup. Okay. If the Bills beat the Cardinals, I will jump through two tables. Oh, my God. All right. I'm writing this down right now. Stats on top of each other. <laughs> on fire? Uh, No. I'm not taking that much of a risk. Okay. All right. All right. So we're going to go to a quick break real quick. When we get back, we're going to talk about the uh, – Apparently the most wanted man in the NFL that everybody hates, Tim Tebow. <laughs> and uh, maybe talk about some of the, the fun stories that are going on about rookie minicamp starting in the NFL. So we'll be right back. What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Bona, and it's time for a word from our sponsor, Fanspeak.com. Now, just because the 2021 NFL draft is over, most of the big-name free agents are signed. There's still a whole lot you can do over at fanspeak.com. You can use the on-the-clock 2021 redraft tool where you can take control of your favorite team and fix all the mistakes you think they made during this year's draft, or you can get a head start on next year's class with the -the on-the-clock 2022 tool, which allows you to get all the knowledge you need about next year's prospects, get a head start on that process so you can put on your GM hat and see what your team can do next year. So uh, let's get back to the episode. All right, so let's jump right back into it. Everybody's been talking about it. You turn on any sports talk show, they're probably talking about him. And that is the man, the myth, the legend, not Quinn Miners, but Tim Tebow, because it came out a few days ago that the Jacksonville Jaguars and his old coach at uh, Florida, Urban Meyer, who's obviously now the head coach in Jacksonville, apparently they're going to sign Tim Tebow, but not to play quarterback to play tight end and right away I know me and you have both spent time going back and forth people about um, some of the issues people are bringing up race being one of them but um, I just feel like it's being made a much bigger thing than it needs to be because first of all it's not even an official signing yet apparently there's disagreement and in the building I, I saw an interview with Miner from uh, with not Miner with <laughs> Meyer from earlier today where he said that they're still not 100% sure he said he's got to make the decision soon but that his coaches brought up that Tebow seems like he's in phenomenal shape. He watched him. He does look like he's in phenomenal shape. But he still hasn't made an official decision one way or the other yet. So, yeah, I feel like people are making it kind of a race issue because right away people are like, wow, Colin, Colin Kaepernick can't get a shot, but Tim Tebow gets a shot. Yeah. But the thing is – I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant right then. And okay. I think we agree um, on this, but you can you can go ahead. Straight off the bat. First and foremost, above absolutely everything else, putting all the politics aside, all the religion aside, all the race aside, Colin Kaepernick's last time in the league, Colin Kaepernick turned down $14.5 million guaranteed for a season. Tim Tebow's last time in the league, he signed for $660,000 in a season. So... There's basically a $14 million gap between what Kaepernick did not want to play for, was not enough to keep him in San Fran, and what Tebow was willing to take. Now you add in time and the fact that Kaepernick makes a lot of money being a martyr, a lot of money being a a social figure, not playing football, and the fact that Tebow has taken basically any job thrown at him, it feels like. It's like there's almost no doubt in my mind that if Tebow does sign with Jacksonville, it's going to be for right about the league minimum. Absolutely. 
maybe a little bit over that, but I'm pretty sure Tebow's going to Jacksonville for a million dollars. Maybe one million tops if they even sign him. Kaepernick is not touching a football field for likely anything less than eight, nine, ten million with what he's making off the field right now and what he turned down to play football in the past. That's just so that comparison right there, just full stop, is stupid. Plus, Tebow has shown before a willingness to be the backup. He was the backup in Philly. He was the backup in the Jets. He was the backup in New England. And he was cut multiple times before the season. So there's no real risk to him. Kaepernick, when he got benched, pouted and cried and stomped his feet and sat down and did all that stuff that you don't want from a backup quarterback. So I know ultimately he did do the kneeling for the right reasons, and he's shown that. But I also think he did not have a great attitude about being on a football team, not being allowed to play and be the starting quarterback. And that's not something you want from your backup. So, yes, I do ultimately think race aside, religion aside, Tebow seems more willing to just play his role on a team. And he's not even playing quarterback. Like, that's the other thing, too. Kaepernick has also had absolutely no willingness to switch positions from what we know of. Nobody said anything about Kaepernick deciding he wants to play wide receiver or tight end or running back or anything else. It seems like he wants to be a quarterback. And he probably wants to make a lot of money, even though he says that nobody knows for sure what his demands are. But I think that the one-for-one comparison is just flat-out stupid. It's people looking at two quarterbacks who get a lot of media coverage and saying, we're going to make this comparison because one is the white Jesus guy and the other is the black guy speaking up against police brutality. And sure, that's what they are on the surface, but you'd have to be a complete idiot about football to make that comparison. Like I said, just from the financials of it all. Like, they're literally the same age, but there's a $14 million difference in cost. Like, if you think it's one's getting signed because he's white and the other's not getting signed because he's black, you're a moron. Full stop. Yep. So, um, I think I've seen, I've seen a lot of people mention that, like, it's nepotism or whatever, which oh, I guess. I, I that I, yeah. that I will agree with. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely, it's happening because. He has a previous relationship with Urban Meyer. Yeah. However, that previous relationship won what? Two national championships, got Tebow to be the Heisman finalist three times and win one. Like, he's literally the most successful player Urban Meyer has ever had at all. So, if he can get that guy for the veteran minimum when he's, I know 33 is older for football, but still 33. It's not like he's 43. Like, why not take that chance and roll that dice? I'm not I don't think anybody expects Tim Tebow to be the next George Kittle and light the world on fire. But why not give it a shot? Especially because the Jaguars don't have anybody proven at the tight end spot at all. They haven't invested any high draft capital in the tight end spot. They haven't invest, invested any free agent money in the tight end spot. That to me is the perfect landing spot. They have nobody at the position. They have his college coach. If he's willing to do it, why not let him? And then he comes with the added bonus of being able to sort of help Trevor Lawrence. like Because that's the other thing, too. People are forgetting that one of the biggest helps to Trevor Lawrence is the fact that everybody's already talking about Tebow, which means people are not paying attention to Trevor Lawrence, which means Trevor Lawrence, despite being the number one overall pick, despite being the next Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, the next uh, exalted one, is 
really getting to fly under the radar if they keep Tebow on the roster. And I think that's kind of a big benefit that nobody's even talked about, really. I just feel like I, I feel like these past two days, especially, have kind of like crapped on that people's argument that say like, "Oh, it's it's ridiculous that he's getting this opportunity. Other players don't get this opportunity." And then you literally see Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, it, when it comes down to it, sports in general is just a relationship-based business. So, Kelvin well, Benjamin. Well, it's, it's it's two things: it's relationship and it's potential. Yeah. If you showed the potential to be a first-round draft pick, you're going to get a lot of chances deep into your career, assuming you don't have injuries or, or off-the-field issues as far as, like, criminally, um, like, you know, criminal issues or anything like that. Yeah. So, Kelvin Benjamin, as we've talked about before, uh, well, on Facebook or whatever else, Kelvin Benjamin was drafted by the eighth gentleman in Carolina, and now he's getting a shot. Granted, it's to just compete, a veteran yeah, he's tryout. Compete, he's competing with Nate Solder and Matt Pert for the other tackle spot. <laughs> yeah, so he's converting to tight end. So that's what they listed him as. Yeah, so I was saying, that, okay, but on a serious note, that I think is a good move. Because I know people had joked about it, but his biggest problem playing wide receiver was his weight. He could never keep his weight under control. So now he's trying to convert to a tight end. And it's, I mean, it, if he wanted any chance at the league again, he had to. And he's been out of football for two years, but now he's trying to work his way back. Yeah. So, But then also, we've had two things come out today where Aaron Jones' twin brother, who obviously Aaron Jones is the star running back for the Packers, his brother's a linebacker that also played at UTEP. And I think he was on the Ravens for like 2018, 2019, but he was like on the injured reserve both seasons. And now all of a sudden he pops up for the Packers as a at their camp. And then the Ravens signed – Lamar Jackson's former high school teammate, who was apparently his best receiver there, who played for Kingsborough Community College in <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, no, okay. he, he played for Graceland University, an NAIA school in Iowa. So he's getting an opportunity with the Ravens. So if you want to tell me that Tim Tebow doesn't deserve a shot from – now listen to this. Urban Meyer is a well-respected college coach, but he's never coached at the NFL level. So he has the opportunity to bring – basically his best and biggest accomplishment in Tim Tebow from his college days to the NFL with him when he really doesn't have any connections at the, at the NFL level, like I said. So why wouldn't he do that if, if Tebow is willing to make next to nothing? Tebow could easily go to the SEC network and continue to do that and probably make more money than he's making playing tight end. The same day he went to play minor league baseball for the Mets. Like the guy just wants to compete. He wants to play sports. And I feel like him having an opportunity – shouldn't be as big of a deal as it is, especially when you got guys that played at on last chance you, wherever the school this is. Like this guy doesn't deserve to be in an NFL camp, but he's getting there because he knows Lamar Jackson. And obviously the Ravens want to keep Lamar Jackson happy. Just like the Packers want to keep Aaron Jones happy. So they're giving his brother a shot. That's and just yeah, how, the, that's just how sports going, works. Yeah. And even going further back, like the Giants when Gettleman first came in had Jonathan Stewart, who was a beat up shell of himself. Yeah, but because he knew the system from Carolina and Gettleman liked him personally, he got the job. It happens all the time in sports. But because he's the white Christian quarterback, and because Kaepernick is the black anti-cop pro-social justice quarterback, people want to create a narrative that really just shouldn't be there. Yeah, it's just like look at a guy. Like I mentioned right away when I saw it that um. You see always a lot of the times when a new head coach goes somewhere, they want to bring somebody like they had the Giants did with uh, 
was it James Betcher, their defense coordinator? He brought like, a couple guys over from Arizona. Yeah, he brought as he brought Golden. Although Golden's yeah. numbers are pretty I mean, good. I mean, granted, they're, those um, are good players, but I'm just saying they want people that are familiar with them. Urban Meyer yeah, but, doesn't really have anybody that like he's can just get that he's familiar with. He, he wasn't coaching for a little bit, and then now he got the job there. Yeah, was it all his all his other college prospects are either injured, dead, in jail, suspended, yeah. like. So and R- then you got racist. What um, I thought, what I thought about, and brought up right away on like social media, was when Doug Peterson, because I have to obviously think from an Eagles perspective, when he was hired by the Eagles, he obviously came from the Chiefs, and he brought Chase Daniel, who was the backup quarterback in Kansas City, and they gave him like twenty-one million dollars for three years, which is kind of absurd money for a backup quarterback, but it was because of the familiarity. So it's like. That's just what people do. They bring people that they're comfortable working with and have knowledge of their system. And that's just how it works. I feel like this thing is getting way overblown and it's just ridiculous. Also, let's just be real. First and foremost, it's a business. So it's about selling tickets. It's about drawing ratings. And your star quarterbacks don't play a lot in the preseason. And I know Tebow's playing tight end, so he's not necessarily going to be coming in when Lawrence goes to the bench. But Having Tebow there will sell preseason tickets for Jacksonville, even if he doesn't make the final 53. He will get them more media coverage. I think I've heard more talk about Jacksonville in the last five days than I have in the three months that they had the number one pick. Like, Tebow is still a needle mover, for better or for worse. Why not? Go ahead. No, you said what you were going to say. I was going to say, I don't know if you've seen this aspect of it, but I've seen it brought up the past couple days is um, apparently Tim Tebow needs to play one more season or three more games uh, in the NFL to have lifetime benefits. Yeah. So people were bringing in that aspect too. Like, is it Urban Meyer just taking care of him? Like, is he going to keep him on the roster for three games and then just cut him? I don't know. It's just people got these uh, conspiracy theories going too. That sounds like it's definitely a possibility. But at the same time, again, it's not like – like the other thing too is even if he was playing quarterback, all right, he shouldn't he shouldn't be getting a quarterback spot. And it, that's the other thing too. If you told me that Colin Kaepernick was willing to sign for whatever Tebow signed for, and they were both playing quarterback, I would say absolutely Colin Kaepernick ten times out of ten should have that job over Tebow. But that's not the case. It's just again you're making comparisons I, that just aren't there. I feel like really. I I pride myself on knowing like almost any player, any starter in the NFL, I guarantee I can give somebody $1,000. They cannot name the top three tight ends on the, the Jacksonville Jaguars roster. They probably can't even name the top two. They might not be able to name one. I looked, you... it up, I looked it up yesterday and literally don't remember a single name. I know if I saw it again, I'd be like, oh, yeah, they have that guy. But literally, these guys are the... probably third tight ends on every other, any other team. I was going to say, they probably have the worst tight end depth in all of football. And so there's are, still not a guarantee. There's still not a guarantee Tebow is going to crack that roster. That's the thing too that people forget. Tebow again has been cut twice during the preseason, so it's not like that's the other thing too. Kaepernick opted out of his deal, and people dealt with years of being like Kaepernick's blackballed, Kaepernick's this, this, and that. Like Tebow's gotten cut twice, and nobody even remembers it because he didn't throw a fit. People didn't throw a fit for him. If Tebow gets released before the start of the season, it's a non-story. If Kaepernick, God forbid you sign Colin Kaepernick and you release him before the start of the season without him looking like an absolute abomination in the preseason, people are going to demand your head. 
The fact that you signed him and you were the team to give him a chance will mean absolutely nothing the second you cut him. Because people are going to say, oh, it was just a show signing you didn't really intend on, whatever, whatever. With Tebow, there's basically no risk. If you cut Tebow, you're not going to have mobs of angry Christians calling. I mean, maybe you will. <laughs> some, some of the Christians get uh, people who are real big Tebow fans might get a little crazy. But in general, I feel like everybody will understand if you cut Tebow and it's not going to be the end of the world, you letting Tebow go if he flops. Like, so yeah. to me, it's like, it's no risk. I don't think it's high reward because I don't think, like I said, I don't think he's going to ever be an elite tight end and I don't think he's ever going to be a, like a great quarterback. But I think you could basically get a league minimum version of maybe what Taysom Hill is even, yeah. where maybe he plays, like I'm not saying he's going to be as good of a tight end as Taysom Hill is, but Maybe he plays some tight end, and you do those like Ronnie Brown, Taysom Hill type packages for him, and get a couple wildcat plays. You could spell Lawrence for a series or for even just a couple plays if he needs it, especially as he's adjusting to the league. Um, I just don't think it's all that. Cra- I think it like it's not something that I would have ever called for, but I also don't think it's anything worth being up in arms over. I think I think if you're mad about this, you were just looking for a reason to be upset, and you were yeah. looking to you were looking for something to call out about Kaepernick not having a job. Like, like I literally saw, like I got the, and I was just like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense, whatever. But then, like, yeah, that I was my not... thought. Too. That was my thought too. I was like, oh, this is probably going to be nothing, but whatever. They're just trying to sell some tickets, and, and then I maybe, just saw... maybe, maybe he'll make a team. Twitter, like... Facebook, everything else just blew up. It was like crazy. But real quick, so I want to get yeah. back to my point about. The Jaguars tight ends. So right now, according to rlads.com, who's pretty much always on top of depth charts. So they have Chris Manhurts is their, uh, their, their starting tight end. The guy is 29 years old. He has 12 catches for 142 yards and a touchdown in his career. Right? So that's, that's their, their top tight end. All right. Well, that guy's, that guy's clearly elite. They have absolutely no need for Tim Tebow on this roster. Yeah. Then they have James O'Shaughnessy. James O'Shaughnessy? Are you kidding me? 29 years old. They have O'Shaughnessy and Manhurts, and they think they need Tebow? Exactly. They have no judge of talent? And then they do have a rookie. They have Luke Luke Farrell, who's a fifth-round pick out of Ohio State. But like, All right, that's that to me. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There's your one guy that, like, actually has potential win. Yeah, so it's just, <laughs> it's just crazy to me that, like, this is such a topic. Especially because um, most teams keep three tight ends. Even if you yeah. want to say two of those guys are definitively better than Tebow, can you tell me all three are definitively better than Tebow? I don't think you can. Because like, that guy in, is... in the case of teams like the Giants, they may even keep four tight ends. To think that guy is twelve. Well, he has what? He's twenty nine years old. He has probably seven eight years in the league, and he has just twelve more catches than Tim Tebow does as, as an NFL tight end. It's just <laughs> like it's crazy to me. But anyway, we'll jump into. One of the probably the funniest story from today. It involves your uh, New York Giants. Yeah, quick, so, Jackson. So yeah, Kadarius Tony had a little incident at practice. But before that, one thing that I'm very disappointed in is they apparently he didn't even pick it. Oh, so this, this poor guy was drafted yeah. 20th overall, wore number one in college. He's a he's a kind of a smaller receiver, shifty, real fast, and they stuck this man with a backup third tight end number they got this guy out there wearing 89 although i was gonna say he's actually gonna be and we haven't even talked about this yet he's gonna be our father's new favorite player because 89 legendary on the giants for being mark bavaro's number yeah um but and tony does have a lot of broken tackles that was one of the the things people were high about uh high on him about 
but 89 is an ugly – all the Giants rookies have ugly numbers for the most There's part. Ojolari, Ojolari took 51, which I think is like a, a number that could work. I feel like that's kind of like a smooth-looking number for an edge rusher. Um, I think Aaron Robinson took 33, which I'm like, that's not too bad either. But then like Gary Brightwell, who you know I love, is uh, picked 37, which to me just screams like, yeah, now I'm a special teams player, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is what I do. I have such a nondescript number that people are going to forget about. But And then I think uh, Rodarius Williams, I think, took like 35, if I remember right, or something like that. And Caden Smith took something, too. I think he took like 58 or some like, slightly weird-looking number. But, only... I don't know. Yeah, not, none of them took great numbers, I feel like. Nobody's like, oh, man, that's going to be an exciting and a cool jersey to get off the number. Yeah. I just have, like, a weird obsession with jersey numbers because I love updating Madden rosters or whatever. So the only receivers I could think of that were, like, just good with, with that war 8-9. So Steve Smith. Smith, which I totally forgot yeah, about. Yeah, Steve Smith, obviously. <laughs> but then early in his career, Doug Baldwin was pretty okay. good, too. So, I think, I think I, but but uh, but Tony, I feel like Tony had some of that Steve Smith in him, like that little feisty, like get yeah. under your skin, be just annoying kind of guy. Um, so you can have careers like either one of Doug Baldwin or Steve Smith. I think the Giants are also, in pretty good shape. I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or not, but Kadarius Tony, and I mean this in the best way possible, really does give me Freddie Mitchell. Like, wait, feeling. we didn't even talk about his what actually happened. So this yeah, guy was practicing without a cleat because apparently oh. the Giants' damn equipment staff got his size wrong. That was so cool, though, that he was literally doing the drill with one cleat on. I'm like, this guy might very well break his ankle and look like a buffoon. <laughs> yeah, it's cool and, until he's out and torn. But, I'll say, but by the time we release this tomorrow, he may very well be done for the year <laughs> with, a, with a broken leg and ankle and torn uh, everything. I think Joe but, Judge fired the entire equipment staff after that. But, but he was out here in practice doing the ladder in one shoe and he just looks like he is loving everything and he seems like a ball of personality like I said I don't know if he's gonna actually be any good my my hopes are relatively low I said if he can get like a thousand yards in finish I think that's a very good rookie year for him but he looks like he's gonna be a guy that I feel like this like that's the thing too I feel like this offense hasn't really had that like rah rah get everybody excited guy everybody on this offense is kind of like ho-hum, dry, no personality from the looks of it, at least from the outside. And I think Tony could be that sort of guy who brings the fire a little a little bit like Odell, but like I said, hopefully in a more tempered way a little bit or more controlled way, I should say. Um, yeah, well, I, think he ha- I think he has that element to him. I don't think he's ever – I'm not saying he's ever going to be as good of a wide receiver as Odell was, but I think having that sort of attitude without the Odell temperament would be a really good thing for this team. Yeah, you got like Daniel Jones and Saquon as like your cornerstones of offense, and neither yeah, one really say, are like, like even much Ed, personality. Even Evan, yeah, even Evan Ingram, um, even guys like Kenny Galladay. I feel like when you watch his like signing video and stuff, he seems like he's very much like. And again, sometimes the guys are very different in private than they are when they know they're being watched. But nobody on this Giants team has, seems, from the outside at least, to have that sort of like fire you up, like Brandon Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaw, uh. Like, even a Kevin Boss sort of, like, I'm going to run I, through a wall kind of personality. Now you got a, Tony has that. Like, you have Kyle Rudolph and his Jeremy Shockey tattoos. So yeah. Right. Um, so, but, oh, think, also the Giants. I say the Giants are also another team that uh, I don't remember the guy. But um, 
one of the guys, one of the other guys they brought in. Oh, they also brought in, uh, I think, Ito Smith and Corey, Corey Clement. Clement. Yeah. So they're looking for some money. Both, both of those running backs are better than Devontae Booker, who they gave a dumb amount of money to. But you say, you say that, but look at Booker's yards per rush average, and I think it's like well over five every year of his career, basically. Booker, I don't think I'm not saying Booker's great. I think they did overpay Booker, but I think Booker is also better than people realize. Like I think Booker is a good number two running back. I just don't think you need to pay backup running backs. It's like the oh, I don't think you do either. But I think they just I think it's going to depend too on because here's a big thing that I feel like nobody really talked about last year. The Giants' offensive line was atrocious, but they also didn't really have any running backs that could pass block. And if he could even just come in and pass block, that would be a big help. Like. I just, just think Dave Gettleman has a weird obsession with like giving backup running backs money because he did it with Jonathan but Stewart. Jonathan Stewart. Then yeah. he did it with Deion Lewis, and now he okay. did it with Devontae Booker. Yeah. It's like always kind of early in free agency too. Because yeah. now you like you look and there's still like Todd Gurley just sitting out there. Like I don't know. It's just yeah. Weird. I think those guys who are going to be cut for sure. Yeah, I don't know. But but I don't know. But uh, real quick, random ass Eagles note. But uh, Obi Melifonwu. The guy that like blew up the combine a couple years ago was a second round pick by the Raiders, I think. His brother uh, was drafted this year, but uh, he was played safety, and now he was at he was one of like the veterans at the Eagles camp, so they playing corner. So, oh, you know, that's that's what I started a... saying. That's what I started saying. The Giants um were apparently working out some. I think I think they said Miami. I assume of Ohio, but I don't think it was Miami, Florida. But uh, a former Miami quarterback. Um, now at wide receiver. So. Oh yeah, I saw that too. That was kind of. I think they said was it Cooper Rush was the only um actual no. QB at the um former Eagles great Clayton Thorson. Oh Clayton Thorson, yes. Fourth uh, fourth round. The, I say was the only um actual quarterback at rookie minicamp. Yeah, uh, that got oh. a terrible pick, but. Anyway. Oh, you know what I was gonna ask too, just real quick before we get off the air, um, off the air, like we're actually on a radio <laughs> station, but before we stop recording. Um, is there any sort of like, cause like I know Kelvin Benjamin was obviously working out with them today and whatever. Is there any sort of guarantee for any of these guys who do these like tryouts as far as money? Cause like, I, there's like nothing. Kelvin Benjamin like tears his Achilles tomorrow. There's nothing like, that's like something like, I know they're not, no. they're not owed a settlement technically, but like, I honestly think it's just um, like, they're getting paid like the regular, like workout, like whatever, whenever a team brings in a player for like a visit for like a workout. Yeah. I think they just get they're just getting paid getting paid that every day. I don't even know if they're right, like, but at least they get. I said there's got to be some sort of pay though, because I like I get bring a guy in just for a workout to try him out, but if it's going to be like a mini camp where it's now going multiple days and you're really risking injury, yeah, then I feel like there should be a little bit more in it for the guys. Because I know um, there are even sometimes where guys are like, because I think mini rookie mini camps are usually like three four days, so there'll be guys that are like. They show up for two days at this team's camp, and then I guess they get a feeling from their agent or whatever that like it's not going to go well. And then they just yeah. like the last two days they'll go to another team's camp. And I just found something that um I don't know this is from six years ago on Reddit, but it says that um, veterans get seventeen hundred dollars a week for a tryout. Well, this is a training camp invite, so I guess that's different. But yeah, I don't know about rookie mini camp, but yeah, Damn, I'm sure it's not much. Yeah. Okay, only seventeen hundred a week for, uh, but I guess there's like most of the time that they also sign for more than that. Well, but, you got to think too if they're getting, this is the, an opportunity for basically guys that haven't been in the league for a couple of years. 
Yeah. So it's like, this sure. is their chance. And then if they do yeah. latch on, I think even for a training camp contract, they're getting like probably a couple hundred thousand. So it's like, yeah, sure. It's um, interesting. It's worth the risk for them. But, so I get, yeah, no, I, I get that for sure. So I think you got anything else before we wrap this up? Uh, I'm trying to think. Was there any other news that we missed this week? Nothing I can think of. I think next week we come back and maybe we start some of our non football talk. Oh, unless, unless there's big breaking news. Oh, one thing uh, I do want to touch on is um, Stephen Nelson, who's probably the best cornerback that's out there. Yeah. It was put out that um, there are apparently 12 teams interested, and I think the Eagles were one of them. And Obviously, everybody knows how much they need corners. But sure. it's a little weird because I, I was listening. I think it was – I don't think it was Schefter. It was one of those um, – maybe Jeremy Fowler. He mentioned that, like, usually when a report's put out like that, it's like the player trying to drive up a market. Like, he's not getting the money he wants. The agent's trying to – Say, oh, look at all these teams that are interested. So I think he's really good. I think he's a definite starter. So I feel like he's one of the names that's still out there. So like, is this the same Stephen Nelson that you interviewed a few years ago? Yeah, I'm just a little biased towards that. But um, <laughs> okay. yeah, I interviewed him. I interviewed him when he was coming out of Oregon State. He was actually the first like draft prospect that I interviewed. But he actually is a legitimate starter. Like he started for the Chiefs and he started for yeah, the Steelers no, last year. But, oh, the Chiefs yeah. also traded for Mike Hughes. Just I know it's not like a big deal really, but. I yeah, the Chiefs joined, are trying to find something at the DB spot. He, they love taking former first-round picks that flopped because they took uh, DeAndre Baker from the Giants, and now they have Hughes also. I'm still afraid that Baker's going to fully just <laughs> blow up this year and become like the next Darrell Rivas on uh, or Darrell Rivas on Kansas City. Um, Alrighty. So, we'll oh, we I also think... at some say at some point in the near future we should do our 2022 mock or at least our discussion of boards. Maybe we could do yeah. that in the. Uh, Non, non-football topic next week. Yes, definitely. And if anybody has any suggestions on stuff they want to talk about in the offseason, you could definitely tweet it at any of us or the show itself. So um, that about does it for episode number 20 of The Blitz. Please make sure to rate, follow, subscribe, all that stuff, and uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, we got a Facebook page, too. Just look for The Blitz Podcast on Facebook. Oh, yeah. All right. We don't use it much, but we got on. One more time. Happy birthday, folks. Happy birthday! Thank you, everyone.